Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Usually produced at the studios of 3CR, but today produced from my home on unceded Wurundjeri country and broadcast to stolen lands right across this continent via the Community Radio Network. I'm Tisha Nahan. There's so many things that we had to stop and put on hold when COVID hit. But one thing that didn't stop was the relentless resource extraction of mining and forestry. On today's show, we hear about two campaigns that are challenging governments who have been trying to use COVID as an excuse or distraction. First up, we hear from Yuyan Hamono. Yuyan is the Climate Justice Campaign Manager at the Indonesian environmental network Wali. And then later in the show, Chris Sharinga from the Goongara Environment Centre gives us an update on the fight to save East Gippsland forests in Victoria. On the 5th of October last year, while Indonesia was dealing with the ravages of COVID, President Joko Widodo pushed through controversial legislation, supposedly aimed at boosting manufacturing and shoring up foreign investment. In reality, it allows an intensified attack on workers and the environment. Widely referred to as the Omnibus Law, the bill modifies dozens of existing laws dealing with everything from the environment to taxation and workers' rights. The Omnibus Law winds back reforms made since the fall of the Suharto New Order regime and has been characterised as reintroducing a New Order era agenda of centralisation and attacks on unions and activists. Yuyan outlines six main concerns that Wali has with the Omnibus Law. Yeah, so this is the agenda of the uh, Jokowi's governments, especially the second term of the Jokowi's governments, uh, to full speed ahead, uh, to push the uh, GDP growth, yeah, in the expense of the natural resource and the cheap labor. Yeah, uh, we sign a lot of uh, trade agreement uh, before, yeah, before the omnibus. Uh, we signed the, ag- the trade agreement between Indonesia and Australia as well. Uh, and we are trying to have uh, another uh, agreement with the uh, other countries. Uh, recently, we, we signed the uh, RCEP, the Regional Pact of uh, Free Trade Agreement, which Indonesia are part of it. And um, this is happening because we want to push for more growth. Yeah. But growth itself is problematic. Because it's create a lot of pollution, it create a lot of uh, carbon emission, it's create a lot of environmental destruction as well as the uh, waste, yeah. And some of uh, cases, uh, the waste problem is not only happening in Indonesia but also in Australia as well. And it's also problematic that Australia exporting waste to Indonesia, yeah. So it's it's kind of a uh, economy that that we are facing today and and it's not only a problem of environment but it's also a problem of the labor movement as well uh before the omnibus law are um approved by by the parliament we 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 say that we have a concern uh on this law yeah uh we have a six main concern uh the first one would be 
there is no public and meaningful participation of this uh, of this law. Uh, we say that in, in terms of the process, this law is uh, inconstitutional. Yeah. We haven't talked yet about the content of this law. Yeah. But in terms of the process, there is a problem, and it's for us, it's not uh, uh, reflecting the will of the people. That's why in our statement we say that uh, the enactment of omnibus law, the approval of, of, of omnibus law in the parliament uh, is a betrayal of the public trust, not only to the parliament but also to the government itself. Um, in the omnibus law, the participation of public at large will be uh, revoked. Yeah? Uh, the only participation from the project uh, assessment uh, especially the environmental uh, impact assessment with would only involving the direct impacted communities so not communities that uh, living surrounding yeah but the communities impacted directly and it's also um, not allowing the civil society to be involved in the consultation of uh, the uh, environmental impact assessment in that way, uh, this is uh, how this is the this omnibus law are creating the the uh, situation where there is a limited public participation, especially when they uh, decide whether they approve the project or not. For example, uh, the second one is that the environmental impact assessment is only um, on the risk uh, based bus bus. bus is based it based on the risk yeah uh, even though we understand that in the previous uh, regulation before the omnibus law it's also based on the risk but it, it is guaranteed that uh, in some project that is big enough it will impact the environment and the uh, social condition they have to have the uh, environmental impact assessment but in omnibus law, uh, all of the uh, projects are assessed based on the risk. If it's really higher, then it's required to have AMDA or environmental impact assessment. But if, if it's not, then it's not required to have an uh, AMDA. And the go and central government are deciding uh, that risk. The third one would be the environmental permit will be revoked in omnibus law. The environmental permit is the way of how the community can access justice because because we can bring that to the uh, to the uh, administrative uh, court we can challenge that environmental permit in admin, ad, in administrative court court but then because of the omnibus law we cannot do that anymore yeah so the people who's impacted even though it's not directly impacted with the project uh, they lost their uh, right to access justice and that that uh, that things are facilitating by the omnibus law the fourth one would be uh, regarding the punishment for the violator of the environmental permit um, it's only the, the governments or the uh, because of the omnibus law they only put forward the administrative sanction yeah uh, and try to avoiding the criminal or uh, civil sanction in that sense, for the companies or the plantation who are violating this environmental permit, they can uh, get away with the minimum sanction 
only the administrative sanction. The, four, the uh, five, one, five main concern for us is that the uh, principle of strict liability, uh, it means that the companies or plantation who have a permit from the governments, they have a responsibility to taking care of their concession. If in their concession, yeah, uh, there is a for forest fire or pitland fire, they are directly responsible for that without any without any uh, without any uh, proof they have to present themselves that they are doing their best to prevent that yeah so the burden to have a proof is not to the governments yeah or to to in the court yeah but they the company itself have have to prove that they are uh, uh, doing their best to prevent the the forest fire for example so it will be eliminated yeah and the last one would be it will be centralizing in terms of the uh, licensing yeah as well as uh, supervision uh, this is a problem uh, because of the indonesian government indonesian structure uh, especially in in the government in the governments now uh, the role of the district governments are also big yeah uh, we have a law on that the autonomy law yeah uh, but then now the central government wants uh, everything to be centralized again so uh, the autonomy is also part of the demand in the uh, reformation movement where we need to decentralize the uh, the power not not centralizing again yeah and when the governments are uh, pushing this omnibus law it's the same that uh, we are set back to the uh, new order government but I want to have a, a really uh, good talk with the labor movement on how we define the future. Yeah? There is a problem in the economy in Indonesia because of the COVID, because of the uh, recession and so on and so on. But there is also a big threat on the uh, environment and the climate crisis as well. Uh, we have to talk this as well, yeah, because most of the uh, labor will be impacted. Most of the community living in the front line yeah, in the lowland, in the uh, in the coastal area, in the small island, will be impacted directly, uh, and we have to talk on the on the fire on the impact of omnibus law in the in in uh, escalating the climate crisis in Indonesia. Uh, this is not the future that it won. the The sky in Jambi is turning red in two thousand and nineteen because of the forest and uh, uh, pitland fire. And the companies who's creating it are get away from it, yeah? And because of the omnibus law, they will uh, be easy to get away from their responsibility, even though they are creating disaster and uh, uh, escalating the climate crisis. Uh, this is my last uh, slide. This is the proposal on how we define the economy for the future. So it's not only based on growth, but it's based on the people uh, happiness. It's based on how we can still have prosperity in the border, uh, in our biophysical border, in, uh, in our climate border and so on. So we have to define on how we can create another economy other than an economy that pushing for more growth in the expense of the environment, the climate, and also the 
uh, cheap labor. Yuyan Hamono, Climate Justice Campaign Manager at Wali in Indonesia. Yuyan was speaking as part of a forum organised by Union Aid Abroad, AFIDA, the global justice organisation of the Australian Union Movement. You can find out more at aphedda.org.au. That's afida.org.au. Earth Matters, environmental justice stories on the Community Radio Network. This time last year, catastrophic bushfires were raging across the east coast of Australia. After the devastation of the fires, the Victorian government announced that they would begin so-called salvage logging in burnt forest. And when COVID hit, the government pushed ahead with logging unburnt old growth forest in the state. Chris Sharinga is a campaigner with the Goongarra Environment Centre, GECKO. I spoke with Chris on her way out to East Kippsland, and I started by asking her about salvage logging. Yeah, a lot of the salvage logging has sort of been concentrated in the northeast, in the alpine sort of sort of areas, um, where they're targeting sort of... Um, Alpine ash around those around those areas are, and also there was a bit of um, post post fire logging in some really specky, beautiful forests right on the doorstep of of Goongarra, just up on Mount Jersey. Uh, and so that was a really really nice area of you know recovering forests. Um, the tree ferns were coming coming back, and a lot of the big trees, you know, are still are still alive and still function as really important habitat for species. But unfortunately, the area, yeah, has since been logged, and there's a few other spots scheduled around, yeah, in fire-affected forests. So for listeners, yeah, so for listeners who aren't familiar, salvage logging uh, is the term that, that the Vic Forests uses to talk about going into areas that have burnt, coops that have burnt and, and conduct logging, that's correct, is it? Yep, yep, that's right, yep. Yeah, yeah. And what is, what's the concern that Gecko and, and, and pretty much all environment groups have in regards to salvage logging? Yeah, I think, I think the main, yeah, the biggest problem is that, you know, wildfire has such an, such an impact on, on forests uh, and and the changes that that you know then then happen in these forests as a result as a result of fire is huge. And then to go in and log areas, incredibly sensitive forests uh, that are recovering after such like a catastrophic event, is absolutely devastating. Right, science shows that 
It can halt the recovery of forests for up to 200 years, make them more fire-prone in the future, uh, and damage waterways like the yeah the impacts of salvage logging or post or so-called salvage logging post-fire logging are just catastrophic so it's really really sad to see logging occur in these areas and then for the, for areas of forest that wasn't burnt that escaped the devastating fires of last summer such as the Erinuntra plateau in East Gippsland they're now uh, facing logging, aren't they? So what's, why is it so concerning that forests such as on the Arunantra Plateau that escaped the fires, why is it so concerning that, that those forests are now facing logging? Well, those areas are now critical refuges for threatened species like the Greater Glider and they're, they're climate refuges as well. So as, yeah, as our climate's getting hotter and hotter these cooler forests are really important for for animals that that need those higher elevation sort of cooler cooler forests to survive and like the greater glider and so they're so important and also I, I mean there's very few areas that actually manage to survive the bushfires or escape the bushfires and so all of these unburnt areas and and even really areas sort of within the fire extent that are a bit lower severity are really really important for for wildlife um, that survive that survive the fire. So, yeah, it's really critical that these areas are protected. The state government uh, has previously announced an end to all native forest to logging by twenty thirty. Now, that was initially welcomed when it was first announced a couple of years ago, though, of course, the devil's been in the detail and we've since seen a ramping up of logging activity. Has there been any update on from the government about plans for that end of, of native forest logging or is it just full steam ahead? Yeah, it seems to be full steam ahead with the plan as in that I guess they're going to stick with their it so far seems like they're sticking with their 2030 end date despite you know even before the bushfires i think that date, that date was um was untenable given the the long history of logging in across victoria and sort of that um you know all of these forests are so have been under so much pressure over the last 30 40 years and that it's really not feasible uh, for this industry to continue on until 2030. And so we're certainly going to continue to campaign for exit pa- packages and transition packages for workers to be available uh, m- yeah, earlier than, than, the, than the 2030 date or it was it's meant to be in five years. Uh, so 2024 was when exit packages were going to start to become available Um but we say that those packages should be available now so that uh, workers can actually transition out of this industry, which is not sustainable. And we don't, we don't see, with the threat of future bushfires and also this most recent catastrophic fires, we can't see how, uh, how logging can continue until 2030. Absolutely. And just to clarify, before last summer's fires, there was already reports that Big Forest, the state logging agency, wouldn't be able to deliver the amount of logs that they had promised in existing contracts. Is that right? Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, the, the 2030 end date coincides with the end of the Wood Pulp Agreement Act, which is like a dodgy deal, which was made made by the state government uh, to provide 
wood, like an unsustainable amount of wood chips until 2030. And so uh, the fact that the end date is, is you know, coinciding with that is, sort of makes it obvious that, you know, it's it's more about the ends of the contracts rather than them actually wanting to protect or save the forests. So I think that certainly it needs to be, yeah, that, that, that date is just no longer possible. Gecko runs regular citizen science surveys out in East Kippsland now, I understand that you ran um, some citizen science surveys last year that managed to stop some logging. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. So in a, there was an active, an active logging coop in the Colhoun area, which is just outside of Lake Sentrance, really beautiful area of forest, um, which, yeah, luckily escaped the fires. Um, and, yeah, in this really, really beautiful section, there was a – we've – we found a high density of yellow belly gliders, which triggers a 100-hectare protection zone. We worked with a couple of other East Gippsland environment groups and went out there and surveyed. So that was really exciting. And um, the machines have since left the area. And so it was really a combination of, you know, we went in there and did the surveys and then we were also asking people to call the Environment Minister, Lily D'Ambrosio, to tell her to stop the logging uh, until you know that that protection zone had been had been put in because the area they'd they'd actually logged a large section of the coop already, and so really the the department and Vic Forest didn't do do the proper surveys, which often happens, and didn't find those gliders, and so they'd actually started logging and logged an area, and then we went in and actually found them. That's great news, and especially given that in 2020, with the pandemic, uh, it certainly meant that a lot of environmental activism um, and a lot, a lot of forms of activism generally was really curtailed. So um, a great win in a year in which um, we were facing a global pandemic and also facing a lot of restrictions on, on how we could take action. Yeah, um, absolutely. So looking, looking forward to this year, 2021, what activities does Gecko have planned and what's really sort of the priorities for you for this year? This year, definitely we're keen to have more people come out to East Gippsland and out to Goongar to do to do some more citizen science stuff, and we're we're really um really keen to to keep running citizen science weekends and inviting people to come out. Um, after the bushfires, you know, it's it can be a really traumatic event, and I think it was really it's it, it's hard on on the Goongar community, but I think people are ready now to sort of have people coming in and to and to really help out um and to help us yeah fight for the protection of these forests which are just so important now after the bushfires and yeah we're certainly also keen to have people come and help out like and skill up in sort of campaigning and that sort of stuff so really really excited to have folks come out and so if people are interested in coming out to coming out to East Gippsland and seeing some animals and seeing some beautiful forests then yeah you can get in touch with us through our website or our Facebook. Chris Sharinga from the Goongar Environment Centre. You can find out more at their website, geco.org.au, or you can look up Gecko on Facebook and Twitter. You've been listening to Earth Matters, Community Radio's National Environmental Justice Program. I'm Tisha Nahern. The featured song on today's show is Genjer Genjer by Nova Ruth and Philistine. An adaptation of the Indonesian folk song about rural poverty, 
the song was used as a rallying theme by the Indonesian Communist Party. And when Suharto took power in the 1965 military coup, the song was banned. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. If you're listening via your favourite podcasting service, why not subscribe and give us a review? Or even better, why not tell your friends about us? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters is produced on Wurundjeri Country with thanks to 3CR Community Radio Melbourne. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send us an email at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or send us a letter, care of 3CR. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. I hope you can tune in next time for more Earth Matters.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.